So we are going to start with Scripture, and I am going to be reading this whole long passage. Um, sorry, this thing is not made for people who wear glasses, so hold on. There, maybe that will settle it. Um, I'm going to read this whole long passage, but don't worry. You don't have to take it all in the first time because we're going to kind of unpack it a little bit later. We're in 1 John, um, no, not 1 John, John chapter 1, two very, very different books. And we're starting in verse 29. Hear what the scripture has to say. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him. John said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is the one I was telling you about when I said, a man will come after me, but he is greater than I am because he was living before me. Even I did not know who he was, although I came baptizing with water so that the people of Israel would know who he is. Then John said, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven in the form of a dove to rest on him. Until then, I did not know the one who, I did not know who the Christ was. But the God who sent me to baptize with water told me, You will see the Spirit come down and rest on a man. He is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen this happen, and I tell you the truth. This man is the Son of God. The next day, John was there again with two of his followers. When he saw Jesus walking by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. The two followers heard John say this, so they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following him, he asked, What are you looking for? They said, Rabbi, where are you staying? Rabbi means teacher. He answered, Come and see. So the two men went with Jesus and saw where he was staying and stayed where, there with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two men who followed Jesus after they heard John speak about him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and say to him, We have found the Messiah. Messiah means Christ. Then Andrew took Simon to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You, Simon, are the son of John. You will be called Cephas. Cephas means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Philip was from the town of Bethsaida, where Andrew and Peter lived. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the man that Moses wrote about in the law, and the prophets also wrote about him. He is Jesus, the son of Joseph, from Nazareth. But Nathanael said to Philip, Can anything good come from Nazareth? Philip answered, Come and see. About a week and a half or two weeks ago, Craig and I went to see the latest Star Wars movie, The Rise of Skywalker. Whether you're a Star Wars fan or not, you're probably at least somewhat aware of the storyline or a couple of the characters, and most assuredly acquainted with what is known as the Star Wars Crawl. As in all the previous movies in the series, The Rise of Skywalker begins with that scrolling yellow text that quickly brings viewers up to speed on what has happened before and what is currently happening in the Empire and the Resistance. So the audience is launched directly into the action of this movie. Today's text from John's Gospel happens just after something like a biblical version of that scrolling yellow text. The first 28 verses before where we started tell, of, tell us who Jesus is, who John is, who John is not, and gives our text today a time, a place, and a people context. 
Today, we are still in the season of Epiphany, that time of recognizing Jesus as God among us. The opening part of the first chapter of John, verses 1 through 18, is frequently read during the Christmas season, and it's a good anchor for Epiphany. If you were here on Christmas Eve, you heard some of 1 through 18 read. It serves as both a kind of sequel to the story of Jesus and John that was begun in the first chapter of Luke, and also a prequel of sorts to the whole story of God and God's people. In general, God was, God is, Jesus is God with us, Emmanuel. Verses 19 through 34 reveal, again, who, Jesus, who John is not. Priests and Levites, religious leaders, were sent to question John to find out who he was. The Jewish religious leaders in Jerusalem thought that John might be the Messiah, the Christ. Remember the shepherds that we heard about at Christmas? Remember what they told those who would listen to them? Remember the wise men and the discussion they had with Herod? Remember how John and Jesus were born within a few months of each other? All those things put together made the religious leaders and some of the government leaders wonder if John, who had garnered quite a following, was really the Messiah. But when they came to question him, John was plain and quick to say, I am not him, but I know who is, and here is how I know. When we arrive at verse 29, where our text for today began, we enter into the action as John points out who Jesus is. Not only is God with and among us, but which actual physical person walking down the street is this Jesus. It's one thing to know who a person is, like knowing them on Facebook, and something else to be able to point to and give an introduction to a person. If you know somebody on Facebook who is the friend of a friend of a friend, you may know about them, but you don't know them well enough to walk up to Philip and say, hey, Philip, this is so-and-so. They belong to so-and-so and so-and-so. So it's just a different kind of knowing. But John knew. He was able to point and say, this is him. I've been telling you about him, and now here he is. John moves from the logical expression of who Jesus is, knowing all the lineage and all that stuff, and speaking the deep, heady knowledge of God from point A to point B, to naming the physical expression of God right in front of him. He's saying, I knew who it was, and then God helped me to see him. I knew in my head, but God allowed me, no, really told me, this is how to see with your eyes, too. Verse 34 said, I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. This movement from knowing to understanding can be found in other places in Scripture, and it's a familiar movement for us, too. There are lots of things that we know before we understand them, like we know that the stove is hot because our moms say, no, no, hot, hot, don't touch. And we understand that before we know how to turn it on to make it heat up and how to turn it off to make it get cool again. We know that day is light, usually, and that night is dark, usually, before we understand how the earth moves to make that happen. And we know cars move before we understand that people use a key to make it start, and then they use the gears to make it go, and they use the steering wheel to make it go in a specific direction. There are so many things in our lives that move from knowing to understanding. 
And in verse 35, John starts that same familiar movement of knowing to understanding with two of those men who had become his disciples, his followers. They had started to follow him. Maybe they were searching for more knowledge about God, or maybe they were looking to be in on the ground floor of this Messiah operation. Maybe they were looking for forgiveness or new start or whatever. We don't know what their original reason was in following John, but John used their time together to do his job and to do it well. John's life was lived pointing to the real Messiah, and now when he was literally pointing to the Messiah, the disciples recognized the difference and they turned and followed Jesus. Have you ever wondered what would have happened if John had not done his job or if he had not done it well? that he either forgot the part about not being the Messiah or just failed to point out that person of Jesus to those who were standing nearby. I think and I wonder about that because I wonder about my own place in this particular part of the story. I hope that none of you and none of you are surprised to find out that I'm not Jesus. Like John, I am a witness to Jesus, but do I thoughtfully remember and purposefully live my responsibility like John did? Do I sometimes not point to Jesus? Do I use my words and my choices and my life to point to the one who is Jesus? Do you? Returning to our passage, because John had indeed done his job well, those men immediately turned around from following him and started following the real Messiah. And as they were walking away following Jesus, we begin to see us in them. The gawky, geeky, awkward parts of us that sometimes don't make sense to us, there on the page. Jesus turned and asked them earnestly, what are you looking for? And while we would expect some profound profession of their deepest longing to find the Messiah, these grown men seemingly turned into some kind of awkward middle school fanboys with these big eyes because in verse 38 they said apparently the first thing that they could think of, where are you staying? Where are you staying? The maker of all that is and that ever was is asking them what they're looking for and instead of saying you, they say, where are you staying? I can imagine that Jesus maybe smiled a little bit and maybe stifled a chuckle but he was a consummate teacher, that title with which they addressed him. And Jesus only said, come and see. Three words, a simple invitation, come and see. Anyone else might have pointed or told them where to go or drawn a map on the ground and then gone on about their way. But this Jesus, Jesus invited them. He accompanied them. He walked with them. Again, the consummate teacher. The scripture says that the men stayed with Jesus the rest of the day, and it may sound like a long time when you say it the rest of the day, especially because they've been looking for a long time. But scripture tells us that it was really not that much time at all, only about two hours, because the time of day is recorded as four o'clock. Some versions say instead of four o'clock, they say the 10th hour, but they mean four o'clock. The Jewish day, Remember that Jesus and John and all these men who were standing around and following John, they are all Jewish. And so the Jewish day ended at 6 o'clock in the evening. So we know that they were only there for two hours. 
And this may seem like a really small detail and too small to notice and to pay attention to, but especially in light of what happens next, those two short hours are actually pretty significant. Verse 40 says that when the men left Jesus, one of them, now identified as Andrew, went immediately to find his brother Simon to say, we found the Messiah. It only took those two men two hours to verify for themselves that Jesus was indeed the one for whom they had been searching and waiting and seeking. Two hours. Don't you wonder what they talked about? What questions they might have asked, if they asked questions at all? What was it that led them to declare with all their being, with their feet and their hearts and their eyes and their minds, this is the Messiah? The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and along the way, he found and instructed Philip to follow him. Philip followed, but then he finds Nathanael. There's a lot of finding in this story. Philip says to Nathanael, We found the man that Moses wrote about in the law, and the prophets also wrote about him. He's Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. And while Philip is flush with amazement and excitement about having found and been found, by this long-awaited Messiah, Nathaniel's sarcastic response, born of a deep disdain for this little town and its shady reputation, can anything good come from Nazareth? This, the message translates this section as, Nazareth, you have got to be kidding me, because what good can come from there? Instead of an argument or a sharp retort, though, Philip's even, measured response is the same as the gentle teaching that Jesus had modeled the day before. Come and see. We can assume that Philip was not present when Jesus first said those words, since it says that Jesus found him on his way to Galilee. But if you study Scripture, when you're studying Scripture, we know that whenever there are bookends, a section or a passage that are set off by parallel or corresponding stories or similar words and phrases, in this case, come and see on both ends, we should pay attention to both the bookends themselves and what sits in between them. We know that what sits in between them is important because we recognize here the assembling of Jesus' closest followers. This account is similar, but different, pretty different, from the accounts that you can find in Matthew and Mark. This account is much less a call story, the follow me that's in the other two previous records, it is there for Philip, but the rest of the story is much more, come, let's go together, and I'll show you. That I'll show you aspect is yet another example of the personhood and the presence of Jesus turning the world's expectations of him upside down. The Jewish people had long known that God would send the Messiah, the one who would be literally king of the world. And yet, that baby was born in a humble stable, cradled in a crude manger, announced first to the outsider shepherds, and all of that, all of that tore up Israel's preconceived notions of who and what this king would be. All of it was torn apart, and it was really difficult for them to put it back together. So why would we think that his appearance in ministry, this quiet, humble teacher, son of average working people, from rowdy, wide-in-the-spot-nowhere be any less surprising or any less fear-producing for the powers of the religious and the secular world that sought to kill him as a baby, harass him as an adult, 
and ultimately succeed in sealing his tomb. But this king, this one said, come and see, with no fear, using no intimidation, wielding no club, issuing no edict, leveraging no power, and dropping no names. Just come and see. The one who created those men knew that they needed to see. The one who created us knows that many, if not most of us, are show-me kind of people. I, admittedly, am a show-me girl. I want to see it before I buy it. I want to touch it, to feel it. God who made me knows that, and when God wants to talk to me, God has to lay it in my lap and say, here it is, and then I go, oh, and then I pick it up and move on. We remember what we see. We remember when someone shows us. We remember when someone shows up to show us. That's how Jesus taught and loved his disciples. This is how we were taught and loved into relationship with Jesus. This is how Laura Jo was loved and taught into relationship with Jesus. This is how we can and should be loving and teaching others. We are Jesus' hands and feet in this world. It's our turn to issue the invitation with words and with actions to come and see this Jesus and how he turns the world upside down. Now, as a response to worship and being in close proximity with this Jesus, I'd like to leave you with some homework of sorts because, yes, I'm a teacher. I heard that, Emma. What? So we're going to start it here, and everybody is going to have the same homework. We're going to start it here, and you can work on it when you leave. And you can use the notes portion of your bulletin to record some questions to answer and to think about. So I'm going to wait while everybody opens up your bulletin. And on the first place inside, it says sermon notes, and it's blank. There are little tiny pencils in the pew in front of you if you don't have your own pencil. And if there aren't enough, maybe you can ask your neighbor and they'll share. Whenever we open ourselves to experience Jesus' present in worship, in scripture, in Kroger, in class, in traffic, we should be changed by being in proximity to this person who is God with skin and bones on. Immersing ourselves in today's story is one of those Jesus-present places. Soaking in those images of come with me and let me show you should change the way that we perceive and respond to Jesus, the ways that we see ourselves, and the ways that we see and respond to others, not just in these four walls, Because let me tell you, Jesus is not just in this building. Jesus is everywhere you go. You and I are like those men following behind Jesus. When Jesus asks, what are you seeking? How do you answer? Do you say, where are you staying? That's a good question, actually. Where are you staying? But what are you seeking from Jesus and with Jesus? What are you seeking at home where Jesus should be? What are you seeking at work? Because Jesus should be there too. What about school or at the gym or at sports practices and games or at the playground or 
at church when you're in these four walls? What are you seeking? Are you seeking at all? Come and see. What is Jesus asking you to come and see? Where and in whom do you need to recognize that Jesus is present? Because every person ever made is made in God's image, because God made every person, we all bear and reflect God's image. If we don't look for God present in every person we encounter, if we respond to others as Nathaniel responded to Philip, can any good thing come from, say, Gilpin Court? Can any good thing come from the Republicans? Can any good thing come from the Democrats? Or from Mexico? Or from Iran? We can never get to the point of seeing the value of Jesus, the Creator, present in them. Seek Jesus in the places that you wouldn't think to look. Go look in places that you wouldn't think to look. Look in the hard places that no one else will go. Love the hard hearts that no one else will love. Come and see. Come and see. Who do you, like Philip, need to invite to come and see? Where and to whom do you need to be Jesus present? Just like we need to, at a fundamental level, see Jesus in everyone, as people who have already seen Jesus, we have a responsibility to be Jesus present. If you believe that everyone needs to see Jesus, then y'all need to get busy. All of you need to get busy. Some places that you can be Jesus present, here's a list. Just a few. You can be Jesus present at Reams Road Elementary School. You can read a book. You can file books. You can be an extra pair of hands in a kindergarten classroom that really needs another body in there to help. You can be a presence in the cafeteria at Reams Road, which I've done many times, and they're always happy to see me. You can be Jesus present at Bon Secours Hospice House. You can make meals to share with the families of people who were there receiving care at Hospice House. And if you want to know how to get involved in that, you can see me or Greta Satterfield. It's something that we do kind of quietly, but we feel like we are being Jesus present. You can be Jesus present in a children's Sunday school class here at HRBC. Because if they don't see Jesus in people older than them, where are they going to see it? You can be Jesus at Walmart. And let me tell you, there are lots of people at Walmart that need to see Jesus. You can be Walmart at, you can be Walmart. You can be Jesus at Publix. Doesn't have to be Walmart. It can be Publix or Target or any other store you can think of because there are lots of people at the store that need to see Jesus. Especially those moms who let their kids push those little carts and hit them in the back of the ankles. Like they need to see Jesus too. You can be Jesus at any local hospital. You can be Jesus at Morningside. You can be Jesus at recess, at the lunch table, in five o'clock traffic, and on and on and on. The possibilities and the places and the ways that you can be Jesus to other people so that they can come and see are endless. 
So how will you respond? If you've never accepted Jesus' invitation to come and see, I invite you to think about it. It's not an easy life, this life of following, but it is a really, really good one. And if you'd like to know more about how you can, do, how you can follow, any of our pastors, and there are lots of other people like deacons, any of the people around here, you can talk with them, and they can help you and walk with you as you are seeking to come and see. If you're at a place of looking for somewhere to come and see with other Jesus followers, this church, HRBC, is a great place to do that. We're happy to talk with you about becoming somebody who's part of this church family, but more than talk with you, we're ready to walk with you so we can come and see together. If you ever just need somebody to pray with you or pray for you, lots of people here will do that also. Whatever it is that you're seeking from Jesus, I hope that you are seeking, and I hope that when you hear come and see, you will accept that invitation and then give it to someone else. We're glad you're here today, and we're glad that you're here to walk with us on part of our journey. In just a minute, we're going to stand and sing together, and I'm going to be down front, and if you would like to explore any of these ways to come and see, I'm happy to talk with you, and other members of our staff are here as well.